0: The reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's absolutely wonderful to be with you. And and it's going to be great, wonderful to be looking at this passage together this morning and to be thinking about this topic together this morning. But will you pray with me as as we jump in, as we dive in? Lord, we thank you for being with us this morning, and we thank you for your word and how you reveal great and wonderful things in it about you and about us and about the future. And as we look at this topic this morning, will you speak to us? Would you spur us on? Would you um, encourage us as we try and live for you? Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if uh, you watch any kind of sport at all, and I really do mean pretty much any kind of sport, whether it's kind of athletics or uh, football, rugby, tiddlywinks, whatever it might be, uh, you have probably seen a player or an athlete do something like this, where they go like that. Or maybe they might tap their chest and then point at the sky like that. It's quite a common thing to do, especially after someone has scored or, or something like that. Um, And there are, of course, various reasons why players do this. Um, Sometimes it's for uh, a a, a lost loved one, a sort of a dedication, that's for you, dad, or something like that. But sometimes, uh, sometimes it's an act of faith. Uh, You might see a Christian uh, player, for example, sometimes get out a uh, a necklace with a crucifix on and kiss the necklace and then point at the sky or, or make the sign of a cross and point at the sky, and again, The sentiment is very similar, um, but it's for God. They're saying, Lord, that one's for you. That one's for you. And I love that. I love that. And I think it's just a little picture of how we as Christians are supposed to live our lives, go through life going, Lord, that one's for you. That one's for you. Except, of course, unlike uh, most sports people who do that, usually when they've scored and usually in front of thousands of people. We are meant to go through life doing that uh, in the hidden places, in the places where nobody else sees the, the whole of our lives. Maybe, uh, maybe it's at work uh, and you, you are absolutely furious at someone. I mean, they've done something wrong or, or I don't know what it is and you're just so angry. Um, and you choose rather than explode at them. You choose, uh, you choose to hold your cool and even though it means nobody else will know, you won't get to vindicate yourself, uh, nobody else will know, It maybe even look weak and uh, you don't get your way but you choose, you choose the way of gentleness and you say well Lord, well Lord, I'm not going to explode at this person and that one's for you, that one's for you. Or maybe it's serving. Maybe you come early on a Sunday morning, be part of the worship band, or maybe it's on a camp in the summer and you're serving and you serve your butt off and, 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 and you really give it your all. And, and nobody there knows how much of a rubbish week you've had before that or what you had to turn down to be there. Nobody else knows. You serve really, really hard. And then maybe at the end, nobody even thanks you. And you're going home and you're thinking, oh man you think, well, Lord, well, Lord, that one was for you. That one was for you. Why do we do that? Why do we live like that? It's because we know that we don't need a stadium of people. We're not living for an audience of thousands of people. We know that our Father in heaven sees and he will He will reward us. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning in our talk. Faith the Bible tells us faith is living now, trusting in God and his promised future. Faith is living now, trusting in God and his promised future. So it's important to know, if we want to have faith, it's important to know what God has promised about the future. And so these Four weeks uh, since Easter, we have been in a little mini series called Living in Light of Eternity. Living in Light of Eternity. And we are looking at four key things that God promises us in the scriptures about eternity. We've looked at the promise of bodily resurrection. Last week, we looked at the promise of judgment. This week, we're looking at rewards. And next week, we're looking at the promise of a renewed heaven and earth, a new creation. And as I said, today we are looking at this topic of rewards. And here's the one line summary of today's talk the one line summary Christians are meant to be massively motivated by the promise of rewards in heaven. Christians are supposed to live life now, banking. On treasure in heaven in eternity and not just banking on heaven banking on being with God in heaven but banking on his promise of rewards and actually this idea is all throughout the Bible um, uh, it's absolutely everywhere especially in the Gospels Jesus talks about it loads but because this is a, an idea that's easy to miss and maybe a bit hard to understand for some of us we're going to be focusing in to start with on one key passage we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 3 10 onwards so if you have a Bible with you do open it and let's have a look at that together in the letter of 1 Corinthians Paul the Apostle is writing to the Corinthian church surprise surprise And Basically, his relationship with the church is that a number of years ago, he had planted that church on one of his missionary journeys, and he'd stayed in contact with them. But now he's a bit worried about them, and he has a bit of beef with them about the direction that they are taking things. And so he writes to them to encourage them, but also to to warn them. And in our passage today, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he writes to them and he he paints a picture, and the picture he paints is of their lives and their church as a giant building project. In verse nine, a few verses before, the verse before we read, he calls it God's building, and he may be in the back of his mind. He has an image of the temple, and he says to them, "Look, look! I kicked off this building project all those years ago when I came." Uh, all those years ago, and I preached the gospel to you to, uh, for, to, for the first time. That was me laying the foundation of this great building. And any church that really is a church, and any Christian who really is a Christian, is going to be built on this foundation. There is only one foundation we can have. and That is the good news about Jesus, who Jesus is, and what he's done for us, the gospel. The gospel. And he says to them, look, that was my bit. I built the foundation. I told you about the gospel then. But now he says, now it's over to you. The rest is your job. What kind of church and what kind of lives you live and build on top of this foundation, the gospel, that's your job. That's your responsibility, not mine. But he warns them, he warns them in verse 10, be careful. Be careful, be careful how you build. Pay attention, consider carefully the kind of lives and the kind of church you build on this gospel foundation. Why? Why? Because, he says in verse 13, the day, that's the last day, that's the day that Jesus will will return. That day will reveal uh, the quality of, of your workmanship what you've built the quality of what we've built will be revealed and will be rewarded he says first of all he says uh, the quality of our workmanship will be revealed he says uh, that everything our whole lives our whole ministries our whole church will every aspect of it will be brought into the light and will be shown for what it is but not only will it be revealed it will also be tested he says and paul has this incredibly vivid image here in this passage of, of a building being tested by fire we've had some uh, real travesties uh, in recent years some real tragedies of buildings that were not built to withstand fire um think maybe of the grenfell uh, towers and the Great tragedy it was, the cladding there um, wasn't built to withstand fire. Or or much further back, think of the twin towers, which uh, weren't built to withstand the temperatures of the fire, and that's why they collapsed. And Paul is using this image of a building on the last day being tested by the fire of God's presence. And everything that's not of him, not of God, not of his kingdom, not of his spirit, us being burnt up and going up in smoke disappearing into thin air and paul says to us this is going to happen to you in the last day our lives will be tested and revealed by fire now i know what you're thinking maybe you're thinking yeah sure thank you stuart but i was here last week i heard last week's talk on judgment and i know that i am going to give Account to God for my life. But you see, Stuart, I'm a Christian. I'm already following Jesus. So I, so when judgment comes, when I meet the Lord, I know that I'm going to be safe. My life is fireproof. But that's what I find so intriguing and challenging in this passage here. You see, Paul is not talking here about whether we are Christians or not. He's not talking about whether we are saved or not, go to heaven or not. He's talking to Christians, to the church, who have a foundation of Jesus, who have Jesus as the foundation of their lives. And he's talking to them about the quality of their lives and their ministries and their church. And he says it's going to be tested. And this is both scary and exciting it's both scary and exciting truth first of all it is scary because paul says to us that it is possible to waste our lives it's possible to live a life or to have a ministry that looks fine on the outside looks impressive by the standards of this world but on the last day When our lives are finally tested in the fire of God's presence. It will go up in smoke. There will be nothing left. We'll have nothing to show for it. Or if our foundation is Jesus, we will be saved, he says. We will uh, escape uh, by the skin of our teeth. As if jumping out of a burning house, nothing but the clothes on our back will be saved, but we will have nothing to show for our lives. This week, uh, you might have heard the news about the fires on Table Mountain in Cape Town, and there's been wildfires raging, and they ha- have burnt down many of the, the buildings, the old ancient buildings in the Cape Town University. Libraries and monuments and all kinds of things. And I was talking to my sister who lives there and she, the comment she made there was just, it's just such a waste. It's just such a waste. It's all gone and it's just such a waste. And Paul says this scary thing to us. It's possible that we might have Jesus as the foundation of our life, but, but look back on the last day and think what a waste. I just didn't live my life building On this foundation with gospel materials but this isn't all negative it isn't all negative it's also really encouraging there's an exciting side to this for us as well because on the other hand Paul says to us that if we build our lives for Jesus If we build our lives and our ministries with gospel materials, if we invest in his kingdom, if we live in the truth, live by faith, if we're obedient, we count the cost, we love and we we serve, if we live to please our Father, this one's for you, Lord, day by day by day, then one day when our lives and ministries are tested by the fire of God's presence, One day when our lives are tested by the fire (laughs) of God's presence, they will stand. They will stand. The quality of our workmanship will be revealed. And then, not only will our lives and our ministries uh, be revealed, but they will be rewarded, Paul says. He says this so clearly, it's so clear in this passage. Verse 14, he says, if what has been built survives, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Earlier in verse 8, he says the same thing about his own ministry. He says, he says, each will be rewarded according to their own labor. In other words, if we live for him, if we build for him, it will be worth it. What will this reward look like? Well, Paul isn't exactly clear, and the Bible isn't exactly clear. It talks about rewards a lot, but it's not clear the nature of it. Here he just says rewards. In chapter 4, a few verses later, uh, he says each will receive their praise from God. Jesus, who talks about rewards a lot, often just calls them treasures in heaven. In some other parables, he talks about receiving true riches in eternity uh, if we are faithful with earthly, temporary riches now. Or he talks about being put in charge of many things, many cities, many thrones um, if we are faithful with few things that we are given now. But whatever the exact nature of these rewards, um, I think the scriptures are... Clear about two things. Two things I think we have to know. First of all, whatever the nature of these promised rewards, they will be real, and they will count for something. Of course, on that last day, the the by far the much greater thing will be will be being in the presence of God, being in heaven with Him. Whether we get through uh, with with not much. Uh, or whether we we, we we get there with a life uh, that, that 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 shines uh, being in his presence will be the thing that matters but still but still these rewards will will be real and they will count Jesus isn't conning us to put it bluntly there's going to be inequality in heaven there's going to be inequality in heaven I don't know whether you ever thought about that not the the bad unjust kind but a good, just kind of inequality. When James and John come and ask Jesus rather cheekily, uh, Lord, uh, we want to sit on your right and your left in heaven, Jesus doesn't, doesn't say to them, Oh, guys, you numpties, there isn't a seating plan in heaven, there's no hierarchy in heaven. No, what he actually says to them is, Well, actually, those seats belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Oh, and by the way, if you want to be great in heaven, live a life of service now. For the first will be last, and the last will be first. Whatever these rewards are that Jesus promises us for living for him, they will be real. They're going to count for something. We will be glad for them. And the second thing we see is that these rewards will in some way be proportional to our lives. In some ways, what we get will reflect how we lived, what we did. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.10, says, We will all one day give account to the Lord, and each of us will receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body the end of the book of Revelation, the living Jesus stands and he says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Yes, there will be a judgment according to whether we have Jesus as our foundation. But then we will also be rewarded for our lives. And for some of us, this is very new <laughs> Maybe we're struggling to compute with this. Some of us are, I think, getting a bit frustrated. Hold on, this doesn't sound like grace. This sounds like a works gospel. I thought, I thought it was all about just about what Jesus had done. Well, yeah, yes and no. First of all, I'm not talking about whether we're saved or not. That was last week's talk. We are only saved by what Jesus has done for us on the cross, believing in him. We don't bring anything to that. But second of all, what I'm talking about here, it isn't something mechanical. It isn't like putting money in a vending machine and then just getting something out. What I'm talking about here is actually living a life of faith, living in faith. As I said, faith is living now, trusting in God and his promised future. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the author writes, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to, comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is coming to God of believing he exists and he rewards us when we seek him. And Jesus has promised us, live for me now and I will reward you in heaven. Do we believe it? Do we believe him? We should, we should not only because it's true but because it is such a great help, such a great encouragement when we're trying to live for him, especially in those hidden places and especially in those costly places. Anthony Ashley Cooper was the seventh Earl of Shaftesbury he was a politician and a philanthropist in the 19th century and he was an amazing committed Christian as well. He gave his entire life uh, to, the, to, to, to living and working for the poor. He rejected the opportunity of high office many times and he worked tirelessly, tirelessly to improve the conditions uh, for workers in factories, mills and mines. He tackled child labor. He was, champion, he was a champion for education for the poor um, and for better conditions, especially for people in mental health asylums and for people in poor houses. And uh, throughout his career, he pushed through more social reform bills than pretty much any other MP in all um, in all of English history. The guy was absolutely extraordinary and amazing Christian as well. And many years later, at the end of his career, somebody asked him, interviewed him and asked him, what motivated him, what kept him uh, um, uh, working on behalf of the last and the least. And he said this, I do not think in the last 40 years I have lived one conscious hour that was not influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. Lord Shaftesbury lived his life for the last and the least and the lost because he was living for an audience of one and he was living for the for the reward he would receive on the last day when he met the lord in person and knowing that that the lord sees us that what we live how we live will be revealed one day and that we're rewarded is such an encouragement in our lives too and jesus calls us to live like that this one's for you lord this one's for you father in matthew 5 jesus says Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are you when you're living for me and you're getting a hard time for it. Blessed are you when 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 you tell someone about me, you take the risk and you just get egg on your face and they just mock you for it. Blessed are you when when you stand up for what's right and you get a kicking for it. Blessed are you because great is your reward in heaven. In the next chapter, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, don't don't pray just for an audience. Don't, Don't just go to the Wednesday night prayer meeting and pray to be seen or on Sundays or whatever it is. But make sure you're also praying in the secret place. When you pray, shut the door and pray to your Father in heaven. Because what he sees in secret When he sees in secret, he he will reward you for that. So when you get up tomorrow morning and you think, oh, my word, do I really want to put time aside for God? Is it really worth it? Nobody will know if I don't. Remember, he sees. He will reward you. It's the same chapter. Jesus says, when you give to the poor, when you give, don't give for everybody to see. Don't go flashing the cash. You know, we have such a problem these days we do so much social justice on social media we just want everyone to see what we're doing we want everyone to know when we are giving jesus says give yes but don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing give in secret this is for you law knowing that then we will have a reward in heaven friends Faith is living now, trusting in God and his promised future. So let's be careful how we build. Let's live for an audience of one. Be encouraged today. Today, if you have been serving faithfully, maybe for many years, and you're tired and you're discouraged and you're feeling overlooked and you think, was it really worth it? Take heart. Take heart. Remember, he sees, he knows, and he will reward you. If you're, today, you're battling temptation and your foot feels like it's about to slip and you're thinking, why do I even keep fighting this? No one would know if I gave in to this temptation. Remember, he sees, he knows, and he will make it worth it. Maybe today you're on the, wavering on the edge of a decision. You feel that God's called you to do something, but the cost of obedience is so high. I say, cheers, obedience. Remember that he knows, he sees and one day your decision to obey him will be seen for what it is and it will be worth it. Let's live a life in the hidden place, in the costly place of saying, Lord, this is for you. This is for you. The risen Jesus says to us today, look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me. So let's live for him and trust him that it will be worth it. Let me pray for us as we finish. Lord, we thank you for what you reveal to us in the scriptures, things we wouldn't know otherwise, and for this consistent promise that when we live for you, it's not lost, it's not hidden forever, that you see and one day the quality of our lives will be revealed. Lord, I pray that you'd take this truth and you would store it deep down in our hearts. I pray that you'd teach us to live for you, to please you. Encourage us and strengthen us where we need it today and help us to live for your glory. Amen. Amen.
0: We're going to continue now with our prayers.